Bethel World Outreach Church. Reaching a city to touch the world. All right, saints, let's go to Luke 19. I'll give you a chance to read it. Uh, see how you do here. And then maybe I'll pick it up from there if we need to. All right, here we go. Ready? Read. Okay, I, I, okay, good. I'm, I'm going to pick it up for right here. Verse 15. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, sir, your miner has earned five more. His master answered, you take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, sir, here is your miner. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you. Because you were a hard man, you take out where you did not put in and you reap where you do not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out where I didn't put in and reaping where I didn't sow? Why didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could collect it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take this man's minor away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minor. Sir, they said, he already has 10. He replied, I tell you that everyone who has more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who do not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. May the God add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. What a text. I told you it ends with a severe punch. But if you read this text wrong, you'll think about what you're not instead of what he's given us an opportunity to be. There's a grace all throughout this text. But you've got to look with the right eyes to see the grace as it challenges you today, as it challenges me today. I thought that, 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 that I had a, a little uh, story to kind of parallel to what I believe the text will help us do today. Have you ever uh, been extended an opportunity to be a part of a business uh, and 
and it was going to either answer your debt needs or answer your home needs or ask, answer your career needs and, and you were in, invited and you sat in there and over time of being a part of this particular thing, you heard the presentation and they begin to slide a bunch of stuff over to you, say, this is yours and this is yours. And th- anybody? I'm going to say it again. It looks like y'all not getting the analogy like the other, other people in the first one. Have you ever been a part of a, uh, somebody invited you to be a part of a company that's selling something and they want you to be one of the salespeople and they're telling you how it could change your life and you have accepted the invitation and gone to a party. Has anybody done that? Okay, good. All right. And the in this party, you could find that you can hear some information that can change your life, extend your life, save your life, depending upon what you're going through at the time. And you begin to hear testimonies about other people's lives who have been changed and, and extraordinary things to begin to happen. And you begin to experience the products and you like the products and, and you begin to see people signing up with tears because they're giving their last out. Because see, with every opportunity, there's a cost. So as long as they're telling you what's going on, it's good. But then to get finally down to the punchline, here's what it's going to cost you. $5.99 one time. And whatever it is, somebody's going to tell you it costs something. Opportunity has a cost associated with it. Now, we want the products. And we want what the business can bring to us. We want it to deliver us from the lifestyle that we're in, but that doesn't mean that we're going to surrender to it. In fact, while you're seeing other people sign up, you yourself may not sign up because you looked at the boss and thought, I don't want to be under that person. The opportunity is good. What it could do to save my life is good. But I don't like the person presenting it to me. So I'll pass. Have you ever been in that situation before? Do you know most people, statistics say, your boss is an important part of your life. So much so that if you have a good boss, you have a good, healthy life. 65% of people that were studied in in, in Sweden, 3,000 men over 10, 10, 10 years, said they did not like their employer, did not respect them, and, and, and they found in the study that heart disease and other terminal illnesses began to be in that person's life. Who is over you could affect your health? So we're not quick to just say, that guy's going to be my boss. You have to have some credibility. You have to have something that proves the narrative. When we look at the text today, we look at a story when we start back at verse 11 where Jesus is seemingly bringing some clarity. What is he bringing clarity for? Verse 11. Here here it goes. Verse 11. While they were listening to him, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was about to appear. You know what happened before this was the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Zacchaeus was somebody who was despised in the community. Zacchaeus was somebody who robbed people. He was considered to be a sinner And Jesus said, 
the last verse he said is the son of man came to seek and save which is lost and Zacchaeus today salvation has come to your house Jesus offers salvation but not only does Jesus offer salvation you notice that the only person in that house at that time that took him up on his offer was Zacchaeus but he wasn't the only person in the house why is it that Zacchaeus who looked to be chief among sinners was able to hear the gospel message and say, I will pay the cost, the opportunity cost. He said, if I've robbed, he said, I'm going to give half of my income away, and if I've robbed anybody, I'm going to give them back four times what I took. You see, when the opportunity was extended to Zacchaeus, he had a response. He bought in. He surrendered. He became a servant. The others became bystanders. And Jesus begins to tell them a story and a parable to deal with the place that they really are. They are successful people. And they are stuck on believing that a Messiah is coming that's going to be of their own making and own choosing. In other words, when he extends the opportunity to them, they have some feedback. Well, I'll take advantage of it as long as you're going to do this for me. They didn't, like Zacchaeus, just take it as is. How do you know? The Bible says they expected the kingdom to appear instantly. They, they were expecting, as you know, for the Messiah to come and deliver them from the oppressive Roman regime. Because later on in that same t uh, text, the, next, the, the later chapter, he's, Jesus is riding in on a donkey and, and they're screaming Hosanna because they want him to bring justice, social justice, change. You see, the salvation that sometimes we want is not the eternal salvation that Jesus offers. And it is not that salvation doesn't come with it, the package of deliverance and justice and all that. It's just not the, the first and most primary thing we need or we're after. But sometimes the thing that blinds us, why Jesus needs to help us, is we can't really see what he's going to do. And so he gives us this, this, this very basic story to show us a spiritual truth. And they go on to say, he said, there was a noble man who would have been made king, and he was going to go and be inaugurated as king. See, Jesus is made savior, according to Acts, and Lord. Savior and boss. But somehow, it had become acceptable in that community, in our community, to take him as savior. I just don't want to take him as boss. I, I take what you could do for me, but I just don't want to come under you. I won't be in your downline. Opportunity has a cost. And depending upon how you see Jesus as the boss, it'll be a gain or a loss. Opportunity has a cost. So, so the first thing he does, when you are the king and when you are going on a far journey, the first thing you want to do is get your house in order. Remember, everything that Jesus is saying in this parable is not only familiar to them because they have seen this played out in their own lives through King Herod and Archelaus, his son, but this story is, is familiar because it's the gospel story of Jesus coming to earth, doing the work of laying down his life, going back to his father and coming back with more authority as King of Kings and, and Lord of Lords. But remember, he was preaching to a bunch of people who didn't fully see him and fully accept him, and he's trying to help them see this story. He pulls his servants together. 10 of them, and he says, I'm going to give y'all a minor. Each of you will get equally the same thing, all 10. This is three months' wages. 
He says, as long as I'm gone, I want you to put this money to work until I get back. Here is our problem. When you're the servant, when you're a steward, when you're committed, when you're, when you're really in with Jesus, you recognize he's invested something to you. What is Jesus giving you? What is he giving you? What is he putting in your hand? When you were seeing the, seeing the dancers dance today, were you thinking, I've got a dancing talent. I'm not using it. That was Pastor JT's story. He was telling me, I've got a dancing ministry. They haven't let out yet. Let your dance ministry out. Okay. He did. I went up there. He said, let's go up there. I said, well, no, it's not your gift. But I was saying, what is he giving you? What's in your hand? Is it your intellect? Is it your uh, ability to administrate? Is it your social skills? Is it your brawn? What has he given you? But when the master leaves, he entrusts us with gifts. He led captivity captive and he left gifts to men. And so he's given them some money. Now, now Zacchaeus proved it. Zacchaeus paid the opportunity cost. When he was given, uh, when he, he, he gave God back his money, he gave it his time. He said, if I cheated anybody, I'm going to pay. See, are you and I willing to pay the cost with what God has already given us till I come? So the next verse is real interesting. He said, but there was a group of citizens who hated him. Have you ever been hated? When people hate you, they're willing to have no limits of what it will take to destroy you. These same people in the room that Jesus is preaching to, probably in a few days, are going to be amongst a crowd that are screaming these words, crucify him. You was just eating with me. I was just telling you how I could save you. And now you want me to be crucified? That's called flipping the script. People, have you ever been hated? He said, and they got a delegation together. And they went, they went after him as he went to be appointed to king. Now, you understand, like, th- th- this is an allusion to the, how the Roman Empire worked. The Romans would take over everybody, but they would leave uh, the community in authority. But you had to go to Rome to be uh, 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 appointed, just like Herod did this. And then he got his sons uh, later to be appointed. So this would be Archelaus that they're talking about or referring to going and, and get, a, a, get authority. And then he could come back. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like um, uh, being president-elect. Y'all remember that night uh, almost four years ago when, when, when President Trump became, first of all, this is not a political statement. You understand that? This is a funny statement. This is not a for or against. It just goes along with the text really well, and it's laying out there for me to take, and I'm going to take it. I'm just going to take this. It's here. The Bible says they hated him even though he was already in authority and even though he was just getting officially inaugurated, he'd already been the king-elect. They sent a delegation of people after him to say, we don't want this man to be king over us. I remember that night. Looked like he was shocked that he became the president. It was a, it was a look on his face like, I won? Whoa. I, I, was, I 
was unsure. Again, it's not political. I'm not for or against him. I'm just like, he looked shocked to me. And then, but there was a group of people who wanted a recount. I don't want this man over me. I, I, I know something's been established, but if there's anything I can do to prevent this from happening, I want to get a bunch of people together and we're going we're gonna to go try to stop it. You some people, no matter how good Jesus is, no matter how good our king is, they're going to find a reason to hate him and to build up narratives around him and his people and his kingdom that says we're not worthy of following. And everywhere you go, there'll be something that tries to hate on your Bible and kick it out and kick you and your Lord out. They sent a delegation. But here's what I like in this. This is one of my favorite parts of this whole text. It's coming up. This is what I like. Don't, don't be too fast. I want him to be over me. You may not, watch it. I don't want you to feel it. I want you to feel the sting of it because I know the narrative around the president is real bad, but you can't do nothing about that. And it, it, it feels unempowering, doesn't it? Because you can't change it. Right now, you have to say, Donald, what, what is it? Feel the pain of it. If you feel, feel like it's pain, feel, feel, feel it. You have to say, that's my president. This is not a statement for or against him. This is a statement of fact. Now, look, look what the scripture said in verse 15. 15. He was made king. However, there was nothing that the people who hated him could do. There was nothing about the delegation. This is not about him being good or bad. Herod and Archelaus were bad kings. They were bad kings. He had killed 3,000 Jews. This is a bad man. But there was nothing he could do about it. Jesus, however, is a good man. And there was nothing that we could do about his kingdom being, being established. If you are a citizen, you are under his rule. And if you are a citizen that's alive, you have an opportunity, just like Zacchaeus did, to, to, to pay the opportunity cost and allow him to be the boss. Jesus was made king. However, uh, he was made king, and however, he returned home. Now, this is, this is good, too. We always think we have more time. Remember the first thing he did to the servants and said, I want y'all to break this money work till I get back. When I was young, my mama said, I'm going, baby, I'm going for a weekend to go down there and be with your grandma. And she said, y'all keep the house clean. Don't do this. Don't do that. I'll be back. I expect things to be in order when I get back. Man, she left. We left shoes out, food out. We didn't never wash the dishes. We left it all messed up until that last hour <laughs> when we got that phone call. You know, I'm on 65. I'm almost there. Oh, man, she there. Come on, clean this up, clean it. Oh, but you know what happened? There's no way you can clean up three days worth of mess in an hour. That's called opportunity lost. Not opportunity gained. That's a loss. So Jesus coming back, he said, he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained. Isn't it funny that the first thing he does when he comes 
came back would say, let me see how they did with the assignment I gave them. I would say, don't you want to go home, wash your face, kick your feet up, relax for a while, let's celebrate you, have a little feast, maybe check on some other stuff. He's checking on the people who is helping him. These are the people that, that are his trusted servants. This is an allusion to or, 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 or foreshadowing the, 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 the second coming of Christ. This is, this, is, this is him coming back. This is how he'll deal with us when he comes back. He said he wants to know what you gained. That means whatever he gave you in money, he thought you should increase it. Whatever he gave you in time, talent, whatever thing of value he has given you, he thought you ought to be a good steward. He thought that when he gave it, the moment he gave it to you with the instruction, put this to work till I come back, that's exactly what you do. And when you understand the opportunity to cost and that Jesus is the boss, you'll turn what he's given you into a gain and it won't be a loss. That's what you'll do. But when you don't see it correctly, you do nothing. Like the citizens, they sent a delegation to stop him. So he says, then the king has uh, 16th verse, said, the first one came to him and said, sir, your mina has earned 10 more. Notice what he says, your mina. Look at the humility. He didn't say my mina. How often have I taken advantage of the Lord Jesus Christ and called the things he's given me as a stewardship my stuff? I know that I'm guilty of not being this first guy already because when I refer to things, I refer to my house, my car, my check, my kids, my stuff, my time, my talent. Everything's about me. I'm sorry that I'm preaching about myself when it's your time, but I'm saying, man, he said the yo minor. So it seems like he understands the scripture, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all them that dwell in it. Looks like this guy's got a revelation. He understands. It's not, he said, and it's earned. In other words, God sets us up. Hear the grace in this. God is so kind. God is so good that he not only gives you the resource, He says, if you just do any level of investment, I will cause it to grow. He didn't say you will cause it to grow. Uh, Yeah, Holy Ghost. You know that scripture in Mark says, he says, uh, uh, a man goes out and he sows the seed and he goes to sleep. The seed begins to grow. He doesn't know how. The ground begins to produce first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. And immediately he puts it to sickle for the harvest come. What is he saying? You don't know how this stuff works. You just got to work. You just got to do something. Do something for the Lord, and you will gain the harvest. The fear is, I don't want to give up my stuff. It's not your stuff. It's your minor. I know, oh, oh, you want me to stay here, y'all. That was a half clap. That's okay, I'm going to stay here, right here. (laughs) I know that it goes against your common sense to play a Jedi mind trick on yourself and say, well, it is my house, really, Pastor James. Not the Lord's house. I can't see him. He didn't sign the mortgage. I mean, I acknowledge him. Okay. I know. I know. I know. I know. Your, your brain, the devil just made, made it something. 
The Bible says, everything you have, you were given. So why do you boast as if it was not given to you? Everything, not something, everything you have, you've been given. And then it says, the scripture goes, one man plants, another man waters. God gives the increase. He said, he that plants and he that waters is nothing, but only God who gives the increase. Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny? I have been missing out on the opportunity because I didn't want to pay the cost. And what I didn't want to pay with wasn't even mine. You ever loan somebody something and then you see them wearing it? And then you think, weren't you supposed to get that back last year? And then they say something, uh-uh, this is mine. After, if, you, if you hold on to it too long and you think it's yours, you start actually believing. This, oh, this is mine, you gave that to No, I didn't give you nothing. You done took my stuff. Anyway, verse 17. The first, uh, I said, here's what I'm saying. Well done, my good servant. He replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, I'll give you charge of 10 cities. Well done. There's so many songs I've heard sung about this well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Into the joy of the Lord. Well done. You know, and everybody's singing and everybody's happy. But that's not always a happy day. That's the words we want to hear. You may have not prepared yourself, I may have not prepared myself to hear them. He said, you've been faithful over a very small matter. What was the small matter? Money. You know what controls this. Majority of marriage problems, money. A lot of problems can be linked to money. It's funny that he would use a story with a bunch of people who were well off, hanging with a tax collector, trying to help them understand what was lording over them anyway. God, in another instance, uses another, in Matthew 25, he uses something beyond money to give them uh, a lesson. He talks about talents. But I want to help you understand that you and all the other ten people got the same thing but you put it to work to the degree that I could say, well done. You were faithful over something small. What has he given you? And if he's given it to you or me, what are we doing with it? What are you waiting on? Because the opportunity cost, he said, take charge of 10 cities. Now we know in his millennial reign and in the world to come, the Bible said we will reign and rule with him predicated upon our faithfulness in this life. We don't know the vastness of what that means, but we can apply this principle almost anywhere. If you want to reach a city, guess what's going to take resource? It's going to take you being faithful over the small thing. And then he'll give you a city. He'll give you a, 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 another city. You know what? You know what? What's in a city? People. People. And then look at that correlation. Faithful in the money, I'll give you people. Verse 18, the second thing, the second man came to hear, you're a minor, he's humble too, has gained you five more minor, 
he, he, he's going to get master, master him. You, you take charge of five cities. He's just on the road now. He didn't get as much accomplished, and God didn't give him as much. But the opportunity was the same. Verse 20. Then another servant came to him and said, Sir, here's your minor. Here's your stuff. Because I don't like to play your games. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth because I'm all about safety. Verse 21, I was afraid of you. You know, a son shouldn't be afraid of his father. I was afraid of you because there's something about your character. You're a little tough. You're over tough. You're a little bit demanding. You're that boss that causes people to be sick. And if I can tell you something, really, really, Jesus, Jesus. Um, I'm afraid to say what I'm saying now, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to be the brave one to say it. Like in our family, it was always one of the kids when they was getting ready to get a spanking. Well, I'm going to be telling you the truth. It was a whooping in our house. It wasn't a spanking. When you're getting rid of this thing, there's always somebody smart that's going to pipe up to mama. We ain't scared. Yes, we are. Yes, yes, we are scared. We are too scared. Who told you we wasn't scared, mama? We scared. I'm scared as I can be. Scared. I'm afraid of you. You know sin is in this because God did not give us the... Wait a minute. The first man, when he sinned, the first word out of his uh, mouth was, I was afraid, I, I was afraid, I hid. When you're not doing right, you have fear. He said, you take out what you didn't put in and you reap what you don't sow. It means I'm working hard. I'm giving my money. I'm giving my time and my talent, and all you do is take, you don't care if I have hard times and struggles, you just say struggle. The church want to just use up every hour of your time, and I got bills too. They got bills, I got bills. You just like to take. Have you ever been fed up and just had had to have that conversation in private with the Lord? You see, up until this point, God's character has been unimpeachable. The only, thing, the only thing he's done is give. He's been benevolent and grace-filled. And look, verse his master replied, I'll judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. Yeah, that's opposite of, you know, good, well done. You wicked servant. You wicked servant. Does that scare you? You know what it makes me feel? It makes me feel the grace and mercy of God. To just, to have called him wicked would be one thing. To call him a wicked servant meant that, yes, there were some doctrinal missteps. There were some missing the point of the kingdom, but he at least got in the kingdom. Grace. You know, the Bible says, you know, every man's work would be tried by the fire. If a man's work abide. He'll have reward, but if a man's work is consumed, he'll suffer loss, but he himself will be saved as one snatched out of the fire. Mm. Now, I want to be the well-done guy, but, hey, um, I want to be the well-done guy, 
But at the end of the day, snatch me out. Just as long as I'm in, you know, I'm, I feel good about that. But that's not all. The Bible goes on to say, he said, why didn't you put my money to deposit so when I came back I could have interest? Why didn't you just do something? Just a little thing. Like Bethel at the movies. I don't know what I can do. I'm not gifted. I'm not talented. I don't know how to evangelize. So I just didn't do anything. By the way, I did the movie and in the last movie I didn't hand out one ticket. So just, just all of us. So just feel it the same. So, this ain't, it's not even about if I like the movie or the outreach. I did the movie. Don't know if I like the movie. But I know within this outreach is a gospel presentation that will allow somebody to come completely out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I can at least, at least put it into deposit give it to the bank, put it in a mailbox. Because if somebody comes out of darkness to light, that's on the eternal account. See, it's always something we can do even when we're down and out. And I'm telling you, one of the major things when we're in depression and anxiety, it's not that uh, being medicated can't help you, it's just being purposeless will, will keep you down. Jesus answered, be, in the, be about his purpose. Are you really going through something? Yes, but it's something about purposeful living that provides a, a, a buildup in your chemical makeup, your, your, everything just goes up. Said, uh, Verse 24, verse 24, then he said to those standing by, take the minor from him and give it to the one who has 10. Verse 25, but they all replied, he already has 10. You're going too far, Jesus. Deaf people already have enough. I thought you was about being even. Ten of us got a minor, so why are he walking away with more minors than everybody else? Looks like it's a minor deficiency, even this thing out. Jesus is giving you a principle. There are good places to sow, and that's what who has. When you're a part of a business, when you want to be invited to be a part of a business, you look and see if somebody has a successful portfolio. And if they do, you know there's a worthwhile investment. Jesus is a wise investor. He knows what to do with a minor. The one minor with him gets a bigger kingdom impact than the one minor with you or me. But it bothers us to see other people blessed. Mm. That's just too much. Why they need all that? God ain't calling us to have all that. I feel a downgrade spirit. Somebody need to downgrade. You see, Jesus, the boss, is not getting our advice. He replied, I tell you, everyone that has more will be given 
but to him that has nothing, even what he has, to be taken away. You really want to take that chance, James Lowe, to have the singing gift? I know I need to use my singing gift more. I just thought about that right now. <laughs> Baby, I need to cut an album. God calls me out to an album. I feel an album spirit just came right. Oh, Jesus. J. Lo is lonely at the top. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, JT. That's like your dance ministry right there. <laughs> More will be given, but he that has not, that which you have be taken away. It's not God's desire to take anything from you. But what he's trying to tell you is, he is a good steward himself. And if you're going to do nothing he asks you to do, then he's got to give even what you have to someone who will be a high producer. This is not a, it's not as maybe judgmental as you think. It's more practical. He's being practical. I can't, I, I've, I've got to give this guy more. Because he's so loving to the people who he's with, He's not interested in your demise. He's going to spend eternity with you. But he does want to show you the opportunity and ask you where you pay the cost. Final thing I'll say, you can stand to your feet on this. This is, this is the part that gives me real pause. Verse 27. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them Bring them to me here so I can kill them and they be killed in front of me. Remember, he's telling a parable to a bunch of people who are well-to-do, who are, who are well-off, who have just heard the gospel presentation, know he's the son of God. They believe they want the kingdom to come, but they want it to come their way. They don't want the opportunity cost. So for them, it's about to be a loss because Jesus is clearly not their boss. They sent a delegation after him to stop him, to hurt him, scream crucify him. In all eternity, they stayed his enemies. And there comes a day when God actually deals with his enemies, those who don't actually name his name, those who actually don't take advantage of the opportunity that he, so he, de he deals with you. And I know that we like to think about hell or the lake of fire, and that's okay. We can think about all these things, but you know the more piercing one I think about is eternal separation from God. Oh, Jesus, ooh, that hurt me right there. Minister team, you can come down. I think there's two groups of people here today. I'm going to call out the group I'm in. I'm in, the, I'm in the group of servants. But I don't know if he would say to me, well done, if I looked at him today. If, it, if, it, if the narrative was exactly the same, even though Jesus is the boss of my life, I don't know if I'm taking advantage of the opportunity at the right rate. I would like to say I'd, I'd be the guy that gets 10 because I like to be the hero in the story. I'd like at least to say I'm five. But sometimes I feel like I'm teetering between that guy who maybe did just a little something. This guy did absolutely nothing. It's still a point of repentance for me. Maybe out there for the first group of servants is repentance. Maybe he asked you to give your gift and service to this house to help reach the city or give money. Whatever it is he's asked you to do and you just 
hadn't done it because you still think it's yours you should repent today and ask Jesus to forgive you and do whatever he tells you from there and then there's another group citizens mean he created you he extended love and a gracious hand to you he came and ate with Zacchaeus and he condescends to men of low degree he he just wants to invite you in this morning when I prayed and all week long God told me there were people who were in this room who have never really made him Lord or kind of you did you agree with it somewhat and I know today I, I have to call you down because it's what he wanted me to do it's easy to always think we're okay but there's a moment when you know you're not even in the young generation, there's this, there's this thing I sense in the spirit where you're showing up, but you're not fully in because you're not sure. And I want you to be sure today that he loves you. He wants to save you and he wants to extend all types of eternal opportunities to you. Pay the cost. Make him the boss today. Make him Lord today. In just a moment, I'm going to walk down here. I'm going to invite anybody who doesn't have Jesus as Lord of your life. Whatever that means for you. It may, it might, I might not be saying it in a way that you even resonate with, but you know God is calling you out. And God spoke to me. So I know you're here. And I'm going to come wait for you. And you can come down for other prayer needs in just a second. Like, if you, want to, you need a touch from God or refreshing from God. But I want anybody coming to settle this issue of Jesus being Lord to come straight to me. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. If you've watched this message and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, I've got good news. You can do it right now. I want you to pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life for the rest of my life. I acknowledge I am a sinner. I need you, my Savior. I believe you died for me. I believe you were raised from the dead on the third day. And I confess that you are now Lord of my life. If you've just prayed that prayer, I have good news for you. You have eternal life. The next step for you is to get in a Bible-believing church. We volunteer to be that church. But if not us, we pray God's blessings on you as you search for God's best for you. Thank you.